So I think I'm settling into a bit of a rhythm with this show where it kind of oscillates between episodes that are about more technical kind of stuff and then episodes that are more kind of touchy-feely about, uh, you know, how I'm feeling about the project and and philosophical kind of stuff and and that. This is going to be another one of those kind of technical episodes, but it's going to, it's not as rigidly technical as some of the discussion last week about functions. It's a little bit more like the podcast version of a screed or a tirade. I have some uh, some some bones that I want to pick with visual programming broadly. So that's what this episode's going to be. In particular, the thing that I want to talk about is uh, edges or wires or paths. I need a name for those things. Um, and how they're handled in other visual programming systems. Because I feel like this is one area that is just extremely low-hanging fruit, that there's no shortage of examples of how to do this right, but it seems like every visual programming tool that I look at gets it wrong. And when I talk to people who are fond of visual programming, they say, oh, no, we're not going to do this the right way. And when I talk to people who don't like visual programming, they also say, no, no, I, you know, I, I hate that part of it. And so I don't, that's, the, that's the whole reason I don't engage with visual programming is that part of it. What it comes down to is basically how the edges are created and how you work with them, and what they represent, and what they afford in terms of you know how how you can to what extent you can imbue them with meaning, and you as the programmer using a visual programming tool. So, as an example of this, in pretty much most Node and Wire programming languages, and that's you know when I say visual programming, that's what I mean. I'm not talking about Scratch or anything like that. Why anybody out there saying you're talking about Scratch? Leave <laughs> out of the room. <laughs> you know that that kind of visual programming not welcome here we are we are a node and wire camp um so in all of these node and wire tools like let's just pick on max msp because it's you know a, a 400 pound gorilla let's say when you have two nodes and you create a wire between them the wires in max msp have some meaning to them in that there are some wires that are for carrying messages like bangs or strings or numbers, that sort of thing. And those are part of an execution model that runs at a certain rate that is basically meant to be as fast as possible. You can't have uh, looping or anything like that. And then there are there's a whole different kind of wire you can have that are signal wires. And those carry actual audio samples at some sample rate broken up into some bucket size. I think it's like 512 samples or something like that by default. Those audio signals, you can have loops. You can set up nodes that allow you to do some looping so that you can do feedback and that sort of thing um, as, a, as a deliberate effect. And they have a, a very rigid rate that the audio is processed at. So there's these two different kind of worlds of execution with their own sense of time. And nodes um, will be explicit about whether a port, uh, an input port or an output port on a node can accept a message type edge or a signal type edge, just based on the, you know, the argument type or the return type, if you think of it like a function. And that's about it as far as the uh, the amount of meaning that you can get out of your edges goes. Um, there's not much more you can do with edges in MaxMSP other than choose 
what kind of, or, or see rather, what kind of edge you're working with. They're rendered slightly differently so you can tell them apart. And then sort of choosing which ports on which nodes to connect. And you kind of organize your visual graph by positioning the nodes where you want them to be. So if you've made a little mess, you can clean it up by moving the nodes around and the wires will, will sort of dutifully curve like a little S curve, however they need to in order to connect the nodes that you've wired up. And if you want to get slightly more fancy with it, you can actually choose to manually lay out where the edges go. And so you can kind of say, I want this edge to come up and then turn to the right and then go up again and then turn to the right again and then go up and then go over and then go down and then connect to something else. And you can kind of draw out a little path for it. And the tools for working with those paths are pretty frustrating. And we'll come back to that in a minute. The big beef that I want to raise right off the bat is you make an edge by clicking on some outlet port from some node and you drag the mouse cursor and a little preview of that edge goes between the outlet port you clicked and your mouse cursor and then you find some inlet port on some other node that you want to connect it to and then you you know bring the mouse over top of that and let go and then you've made an edge between those two nodes and uh that's pretty much it um, unless something's changed recently, which, God, I hope it has, but in the olden days, at least for the 15 years or so that I've been using Max and Peer Data, that's how it's worked. And if you want to um, change one of those wires between nodes, um, I think you can grab it and pull it off of a node and put it onto another node. I think they allow that, but at the very least, uh, what you can do is delete that wire or that edge. I'm going to call them wires. You can delete that edge and then um, make a new one to you know whatever the correct connection you want to have happens to be. And what I wish beyond anything that you could do is actually treat those edges as if they were proper first-class entities because they are so important to the expression of meaning within the program. Like they're the whole reason that we're using a visual programming tool rather than a textual one. It's not the nodes. The nodes are a direct translation of what's going on in a textual language if you're just orchestrating a bunch of function calls in a certain order. The, the, the wires between those nodes are what make visual programming special. They're what allow you to visually structure and, and imbue hierarchy and imbue a sense of relative importance and to organize the sort of the tactility and the and the feeling of how your program is is built and and what it does and how it does it. And those wires are so important and they're so they're so underthought. So what kind of things would I want to do? I would love to be able to pull a wire out from some node and just drop it in space, not connected to anything, and then go and make or grab or find a node that I want to connect and bring it over to where that wire is sitting and then make the connection. Like you can do with a patch cord on a, you know, a modular synthesizer if you have a guitar and an amplifier. The patch cord doesn't just come into existence when you plug it into the guitar and plug it into the amplifier. That patch cord is a real thing and you can unplug it from one thing and put it down and then go get something else and bring it over and then plug it in. And that patch cord doesn't go away until you actually you know, unplug it and coil it up properly and go and hang it on a hook on the wall with all your other patch cords. And in, in visual programming, in, in, these, in these patcher-style languages, which were invented to emulate modular synthesizers and other electronic music tools that use patch cords, like the actual 
patch cords in these virtual environments don't behave anything like patch cords. They just disappear as soon as they're not making an actual solid connection. Uh, Here's another thing I'd love to do. I'd love to be able to take an existing wire between two nodes and split it in half and have the two the two sides of that cut where I cut it in half just sit there and then I can go and grab some other node and put it in the middle and then plug them back into that new middle node and and have things continue that way. Like the ability to have a, a, a patch cord that just sits around there in your space would make the programming experience of working with a patcher style node wire visual programming language so much more tangible and so much more analogous to the real world. And a lot of these ways of working that we're used to from the real world would translate beautifully into these visual programming tools if they didn't just dispose of the the wire as soon as you unhook it from something. If they didn't insist that the only valid case for a, a wire is when it is connecting two things. And there's no valid case for a wire that is not forming a connection. So that's that's one one easy, super low-hanging piece of fruit is just don't immediately throw the wire away as soon as you unplug it. If I, if I break a connection between two nodes, don't just toss the wire into oblivion. Don't just have it poof out of existence. Another one that I would love to be able to do with wires is actually route them the way Max MSP lets you, sure, where you can say, I want the wire to go up and then over here and then up over there and then this other way. But actually give some good fucking tools for doing it. Like, we are, in effect, laying out a vector path whenever we are manually routing a wire. But the only tools we have for doing it are this, like, really anemic, flimsy sort of, like, click all the spots where the the wire is going to go and then it's going to be routed there and if you want to change it you have to like redo the whole routing and there's you know there's no guide markers there's no ability to have nice corner radii controls there's no ability to say hey i want to take these like four wires that are all going in this similar direction and braid them together into a little bunch which is once again something you do with real patch cords with a real band playing at a you know a real venue the actual cables that run to the PA system out in the you know the back of the room or the middle of the audience or whatever it is aren't all like 20 or 30 or 40 different individual cables all running over there they get this big honking snake cable with a whole bunch of plugs on one end and a whole bunch of plugs on the other end and then you just run that one big snake cable from your mixing board at the back to the stage and then you plug all the things in on either end and it would be quite convenient to be able to do that if you have a visual programming system that has you know 20 or 30 or 40 different nodes that all need to run over and talk to these other 20 or 30 or 40 other nodes across the the system instead of having to resort to what max does where it's like let's just you know use these send and receive nodes so that the edges just disappear because obviously looking at the edges is like messy because it you know it makes your program look like spaghetti when in fact well if it looks like spaghetti that means it's poorly factored that means it's poorly designed and if you uh, actually had tools for working with the edges in a way where you could use them to express meaning and to say things like these edges are all braided together because they're all related. They're all about something and they're all going to run over here as one thing because to run them all individually with the really limited layout tools that a, that a Max gives you would look messy 
but to actually be able to run them with some intent to how they're laid out, uh, you would naturally want to like lay them out right next to one another, like in parallel lines, so that you could clearly see that they're connected. And and then, of course, having them braided together is just like a, a nice next step beyond that. So there are things you could do to actually show the organizational structure, especially if you could like zoom way out and see like at a distance, I have this cluster of nodes over here and that cluster of nodes over there. And there's sort of like a like a highway or like a freeway or something like that of wires running from one to the other. And then out of that little freeway kind of thing, out come a bunch of little smaller wires to go to some of the nodes as you get to the, to the clusters on either end of that big freeway, like, you know, that big braided snake sort of cable that's going between them. So that, that kind of stuff, like let me manually lay out my edges so that I can build a big complex system and, and solve some of that scaling problem for all the people out there who say, oh, visual programming doesn't scale, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, of course it doesn't scale because, you know, the tools for actually laying out your edges are just awful. They're so, so bad. They're so limited. And, and what could you do even beyond that? Well, I mean, look at any vector graphics program. Look at any 3D modeling tool. Look at any, even like an audio editing program, like I'm using Ableton Live right now, or go look at Final Cut or any of that kind of thing. Anytime you've got a lot of independently movable pieces where you as the user of that tool are going to be building up some structure around how those pieces interrelate. So in audio or video editing, it's the clips on your timeline. You're going to lay them all out together and set them up so that they happen in an exact sequence with an exact sense of timing so that everything happens in a way that you know accomplishes the music or the video that you're trying to make with this tool. You'll have a bunch of these pieces, you'll put them together in a really precise way, and then the tool doesn't just say, oh, you get one shot at doing that, and then if you want to change it, well, you know, good luck, like, really, that's on you, you should have done it properly the first time. No, the tool will give you nice features for being able to make an amalgam of things and move them around, and that those nice features won't just be things like, oh, you can put them all into a group and the group will collapse them into a single thing and then you can move that single thing around and then if you want to, you can look inside the group and see what's there, which is what visual programming languages give you, right? Like they let you select a bunch of nodes and say, okay, collapse these down into a group and then now that's your Billy Mays kind of, it slices, it dices kind of thing. I don't know if that was Billy Mays, but like somebody on TV who's like, you know, as seen on TV selling you some kind of thing, like listing all the features of it, right? So in visual programming languages, you can select a bunch of nodes and group them. That that is your abstraction mechanism. That is your tool for visually organizing your space. That is your tool for accomplishing reuse, which I would say is different from abstraction. I would say abstraction is about creating something that has like a known boundary around it where there's like an inside and an outside. Whereas I would say reuse is more concerned with like not wanting to have to do a lot of manual work over and over again. Those things are close, but but different purposes. It is your tool for hiding mess. It is your tool for project organization because um, in Max you can have you know one node that is defined in another file and so you can use that to like take a big project that you're working on and split it up into multiple little files and then use those files elsewhere which is yet another kind of reuse but it, it functions in a different way because there's a, a difference between saying hey this little you know sub patcher thing that I've made is is going to be reused within this one file versus it's going to be reused across a bunch of different files like it's the same mechanism for all of those different things which would be great if the mechanism was any good but it is like and, and this is something that's come up on the show before like i think 
the ability to select a bunch of nodes and group them up and make them a thing, which is something I even talked about last episode, is like, that's kind of the best I've thought of for how to do functions so far. Like, that's not good enough. That's not very good at all in absolute terms. It's like a glass of ice water in hell, but really, you'd rather not be in hell in the first place. So what we really should have is we should have some more tools for working with nodes and wires, just nothing fancy there, just nodes and wires. Like, they're really, really basic things. We should have some tools that... Uh, you know, mirror the tools you'd get out of video editing, audio editing, as an example, as a first example. There's tons of other things we could pull from, but let's just look at those. So in Final Cut, what you can do is you have a main timeline, a main, like this is my, you know, beginning, middle, end kind of timeline. It progresses linearly, and I can put whatever video clips on that timeline that I want But to do some more complex thing where I've got, you know, some text overlaid for a title card or something like that. I've got a, you know, a special background image that's going to sit below my main video because my main video has like a cutout area with an alpha channel or something like that. And I want to have some like, you know, lens flares laid over top. And then I need this like transparent animation of like dolphins jumping into this like virtual reality kind of blue green water kind of thing. And the text is, of course, going to be like flaming and spinning. If I'm building something that is like really beautiful like that i don't want to have to like manually move each of those things around individually i don't want to have to rely on band selecting them and then moving them all as a singular group because what if i miss one and then i've screwed up my timing and then i have to redo the timing on it i don't want to have to like fold them or collapse them into a single group thing so that i can just move the group because then i've kind of um, I, I'm going to borrow a term here. Uh, I've, I've laminated those things. And so now they're not editable anymore. I've like collapsed them into a singular group. But now if I want to edit the group, I have to go inside the group. And, and the relationship between things inside the group and outside the group means there's this sort of mismatch there. That's no good. So what does Final Cut Pro let you do? Anytime you make a, an assemblage of clips like that that are sort of layered, all of them are attached at a specific spot that you can control to the main timeline. And so any changes you make to the main timeline, like if I go earlier than that little construction with the dolphins that I made, and I splice in some new clip earlier on, and that pushes you know everything back, all of those things that I assembled, the text and the dolphins and all of that, they stay exactly temporally related to one another. They stay attached in exactly the way that I set them up because they're all attached to the main clip. And so anywhere the main clip goes, all those things go too. And that is like so basic. So there's like so many things you could do with this in visual programming. You could make it so that, hey, if I select an edge, move the nodes along with it or say, hey, I've got this little construction here and I'm gonna like use some kind of special edge or some special property of the existing edges to say like these two things are in a relationship to one another where if I move one, I want the other one to go with it. Or you could have a, you know, a selection of different tools for working with these things on the canvas like you'd get from Photoshop or Illustrator where one of the move tools is I want to move individual things. Another move tool is I want to move this thing and all of the things connected to it. And this is actually something um, Casey 
Mutori, Mutatori, Muratori, I don't know his last name. Anyways, the guy who did Handmade Hero and all that kind of stuff, he had this cute little video clip he showed of an old visual programming system he made. And of course, he was trashing visual programming the whole time because he didn't actually bother investing all that much effort into fixing the UI kind of stuff because nobody does. But he had this one thing that he said, hey, this is the one thing where if you're building a visual programming language, do this. If you don't do this, you're terrible. And it was above each node, there were these three little rectangles. And if you grabbed on the middle rectangle and dragged it, it would move that node and all connected upstream and downstream nodes together. And if you selected the little rectangle to the left side and dragged that, it would move this node and all upstream nodes, but leave downstream nodes alone. And vice versa, if you grabbed the right side little rectangle, it would move this node and all downstream nodes and leave all upstream nodes alone. Like there's so much stuff you can do with just like the tiniest little bit of tooling to give you more leverage over the way that you've arranged and constructed your things on the canvas. It doesn't just have to be band select and grouping and, you know, being able to curve your path around so that it goes where you want it to go. But you can only do that like in one shot and the actual editing tools for it are really terrible. Like this is kind of where my whole thing about graphical programming comes from. It's just like looking at something like Max MSP and, and playing with the tools that it gives you for manually laying out where your wires go and thinking like this would be so much better if it were like, one-tenth of what Illustrator had just for basic path editing. Like, no Bezier curves, no, you know, pathfinder tools for, like, select all paths that have the same stroke width and color across the scene and then do some aggregate operation on them. None of that fancy crap. Just, like, just the basic, like, like Flash used to have. Not even all of what Flash used to have. Just, like, the basic little things. Like, let me, when I have a, a wire that I've laid out on my own terms, in my own way, not just using the default S-curve. Like, let me see the vertices that I've defined and let me move those around. Maybe let me select like four out of the five vertices and move those together. Let me have some sort of snapping so that I can make sure that like these lines are perfectly parallel with one another and and these two vertices are like directly in line with one another. Let me have some things where I can, you know, take a portion of a path and rotate it if I want to have something at a nice angle. Like there are just so many basic tools that would let you organize your uh, visual programming system that you're building in a way that lets you imbue meaning. These things write themselves, right? Like, let me put comments next to a wire or a collection of wires and make those comments attached to those wires so that if I move some of those wire pieces around, the comments go with them. And let that just, like, you know, be something that I can rely on as a way to communicate to my future self or to other people. Don't, you know, make it so that the only way to have text on the canvas is in a little, you know, node itself or disconnected from the other things around it. Like, like let's actually have some visual affordances and some ability to move between working with those visual affordances and actually the structural components of how the, the code is connected and, and how the nodes that actually you know represent 
actions to be taken work with the wires and and how the wires actually allow you know the orchestration of things to happen and and to do the kind of the job of syntax right because we don't have syntax in visual programming the same way we do in textual programming so let the edges actually play a role in like in being syntactical and organizing the tactics of how execution happens and i'll just i'll, I'll leave off with one more thing which is what if wires were you know stateful <laughs> what if there was some way that the wires could actually hold some data as it was going en route to each node in the graph. Like, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be really cool if, if the wires weren't just like these transient sort of completely virtualized connections between things that don't actually really exist and, and it 